Thank you for tuning in to the Highest Praise Church podcast. For more information about Highest Praise Church, please visit highestpraisechurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Sherwood Lancaster. praise of what he's doing. I want you to grab your Bibles. Thank you. CJ, stay for a minute. I want us to go to Psalm 127. They've been singing about it. And since they're singing about it, I got a couple of verses I want to I want to go to. And uh, they've been singing about building our church. And the Bible says in Psalm 127, I'm on the try, trying to get a a series of sort going here but but y'all helping me build it as we go but the bible says unless the lord builds the house <clears throat> we're just told that you are the house of the lord unless the lord builds the house they labor in vain who builds it unless the lord guards the city the watchman stays awake in vain i want to pull today from this verse unless the lord builds the house how many know we need god to build our house we need God to build his church. I want to remind you this morning <clears throat> that the church is in different, there's different categories of the church. It's the, the church is, is you. Hey, me another, say, say, I am the church. Right by yourself, whether you're in this building, whether you're with another group of believers or not, you are the church. Because the church, the Holy Spirit of God dwells in you. But then we come together and we congregate together. And so the church is also a local assembly of believers coming together for a region. Hey, me know we got four counties represented here this morning. The services we go through all week long, we'll have people coming from all over the place. And it's the church coming together for a region to change a region. The church is also universal. No matter where you go, you're the church. And people, it can be in Asia, it can be in Europe, it can be in South America, North America. It doesn't matter where you are, that the church becomes one. And it's very important that the church becomes what God wants it to become and, and be and does what God wants it to be. And God says, I want to build my church. So I've turned, I'm going to add today, as, as we look at it in today and next week, I believe we're going to be on this scripture. I'm in Amos, chapter, Amos 9, verse 11. Now, you know we're going, going somewhere. We turn to the book of Amos. You didn't know, you're trying to say, where's Amos? He's in there. Be a good time to go to the table of contents. It's okay. It's on eight. It's on page eight hundred and ten. If you got my Bible, it's right before Obadiah. You say, "Well, who's he?" Well, read your Bible, and you'll find out. Joel, Hosea, Amos. Anyway, Amos nine eleven. It says, "On that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David." Or the house of David, which has fallen down, and repair its damages, and I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. Hallelujah. So I began to read this and look at this. I began to think about, about the house of David. So this week and next week, we're going to be looking at the house of David and see what it is that God wants to do and see how he can build us and use us. Amen. Thank you, CJ. One thing, so I want to look at, if God says I'm going to rebuild the house of David, I want to know about the house of David. I want to know what's going on in the house of David. And we'll look at it a whole lot next week. But what I really want to do is look at David. Look at David as a man and how it relates to us. David was a man after God's own heart. 
David was a man that went after God with everything that he had. The one thing, though, about David that we really didn't know is that we didn't know anything about David until he got in a good fight. We begin to find out more about David whenever we realize that he wrestled the bear who tried to kill a sheep. And he wrestled the lion when he tried to, tried to take after his sheep. And, and then we find out more about him whenever he came against Goliath. And we begin to find out more about him. There's one thing I want to, to remind you this morning. Whenever you're going through circumstances, you're going through battles, you're going through struggles. That it doesn't, it doesn't define who you are until you're in a struggle, until you're in conflict. Conflict always defines who we are. Conflict always defines exactly what, exactly what kind of favor, what kind of grace, what kind of, what kind of purpose God has in our life. And so God allows us to go through these things. He allows us to go through these, these battles. And then, and then people will never re recognize your anointing until you watch you come against your circumstance. How many knows you don't know how much faith you have until you're in a good fight? And when you start getting a good fight, that's when people start to recognize, oh, no, she's no joke. She must read her Bible. He must pray. He must do something other than just go to church. He must be, a, be the church. And we begin to look at the things that begin to happen in, in David's life. And, and we begin to see that his purpose of the giant and the lion and the bear was to establish who David really was. Everything you go through in life, whether you like it or not, is to establish who you are. You won't know why you're going through what you're going through because, we, we, because God is always trying to establish through us who we are. The enemy, the God wants to establish to the enemy who we are because it's not about doing, it's always about being. The fact we didn't know who David was until he came against the giant. And I've been telling you for years and years that the giant wasn't that big of a deal. That, that David was there. The giant wasn't, David wasn't there to take up the giant. The giant was there to promote David. And once, once the giant's purpose was done, then he fade from out of scripture. I want to encourage somebody that no matter what you're struggling with, no matter what your circumstance is, no matter what you're going through there, that thing is not there. You're not there to defeat it. You're there. That thing is there to establish you to who you are. And God will allow things in your life to establish who you are. Because it's not about doing, doing, doing. It's about being, being, being. And you're not going to come out of a struggle. You're not going to come out of a conflict. You're not going to come out of a battle talking about what you did. You're going to come out of that conflict, not because of what you did, but because of who you be. <laughs> going to use the wrong vernacular, but it fits. <laughs> who you be. I know who I be. I be a child of God. So that problem is there to establish and show the enemy who you really are. God did not create you to defeat the problem because the problem is not that big of a deal. God created that thing to establish you and to make you and make you who you are. And when you come out of that, I understand we don't like the fight. We don't like the struggle. We don't like what's going on through. But I'm telling you, you're better when you come out of the thing than you were before you came into and you know more who you are because of your struggle than you did before you went in there. Amen. And so we begin to see that, that, that that problem is always there. We don't, it's not just about doing, it's about being. And so then we begin to realize about the word favor, the word favor. Now, before I get into favor, I want to get back and talk about David some more. 
I want to talk about this entire house here in Amos 9 and 11. Because in Amos 9 and 11, God says that I will raise up the tabernacle of David which had fallen down. I will repair it. I will repair the house of David, the, the tabernacle of David. Now, I want you to understand that the tabernacle of David, I don't want to get into it, I really want to get into it next week. The tabernacle of David is nothing but, it was just, was just a house of praise. We understand that the tabernacle was built after that David didn't build, but his son Solomon built. He had an outer court, inner court, and a most holy place. Be honest with you, David's tabernacle was more of a booth. It didn't have a veil in it. You can just, you just, and, and all, all they did was praise in the thing. But the one thing that David had, going back to David, one thing that David had, even though he struggled, even though he went through battles, even though he went through conflict, David was a man of passion. And what God is saying here, I want to rebuild my church. I want to raise up a church that has passion. He says, I'm tired of a church that has no passion, that, 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 has, that, 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 that has, has no fire, that, that has nothing that, that's on the inside of them, keeping them alive. And, and then I told you, the church starts with you. Then it, then it crawls into this local body. And then it changes the entire, the entire scope of the universal church, which is the church of, 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 of the house of God, and begin to change it. And God says, I want to change. So I want to start with you, though. And so we got to start with passion. And, and the Bible says that, that if he wants to change that house or do something in that house, he wants, to, he, wants to, he wants to renew our passion. Passion is intimacy. And whenever you have intimacy, blessings follows intimacy. Our problem is, is that we want blessings but no intimacy. You will very rarely, very rarely, would you get intimate with God chasing blessings. I want to be blessed. Bless me, Lord. Bless me, Lord. Bless me, Lord. Bless me, Lord. That very seldom that bring you to intimacy. But if you come to God in intimacy, then blessings will follow. Intimacy, just, just, just getting with God and, and, and getting along with God. What do you mean intimacy? You're getting all weird on me. Man, I'm just talking about getting along with God. Just, just, just looking at him and just, and that's what David did. David always wanted to get along with God. He just wanted to talk to God. He wanted to tell something about God. I mean, no matter what I'm going through in a day or whatever's really bothering me, and I can, I can worry about it and, and try to do the very best I can to meet needs of people and, and whether it be family, whether it be church, whether it be you guys or whatever it is, but nothing satisfies my soul more when I, until I can talk to God about it. And so I got to start to give this thing to God. Why? Because that's called being intimate with God. That's called being there with him and, and understand that passion, that intimacy. And intimacy, blessings follows intimacy. And out of that, and out of blessing comes favor. You start with passion. That passion moves into intimacy. And that intimacy gives, just, just, just begin to give, give birth to, to blessings. And then blessing comes, comes favor. And what is favor? See, we think favor is, is getting something. No, favor is having something. No, I got favor because, because I got that house. I got favor because I got that job. I got favor because I got that, I got that man. I, I got favor because, you know, all this stuff is happening. No, favor is the ability to succeed over adversity. Matter of fact, you don't even know you got favor until you're in adversity. 
And, it's the, and the proof that you got favor is not that you came through it. That's called a blessing. Because the, the definition of a blessing is, 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 is God's, divine, God's divine intervention that's going to cause your work to succeed. How do you know you're being blessed? Because he's causing your work to succeed. You're succeeding. Why? Because you're good? No, because God is good and he's blessing you. And he's causing, he's blessing it. He's blessing what? He's blessing your work. What is your work? Work is always motion against resistance. If you haven't a work at it, that means there's a resistance to it. And, and that's our problem. We're, we're going through stuff and, and there's a resistance there. and we're, we're trying to break down that resistance. And, then, and we're working to break that resistance. And that's not going to happen. And then what used to be hard and impossible, God begins to bless it. And when God starts to bless it, he begins to cause things. He begins to intercede for us. He begins to cause our work, our motion against resistance to begin to succeed. And you realize, wait a minute, I'm not going backwards anymore. And I'm not even standing still anymore. I'm going forward right now and you realize it's not about what you're doing it's about who you're being and God says I'm ready to raise up a church that can be everybody and everything I need it to be talking about intimacy over in in the Bible whenever whenever um, whenever in, in the book of John I know for a fact that whenever in John chapter 2 Whenever John was baptizing in the River Jordan, the Bible said Jesus showed up and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. Remember that? And everybody thought it was immediacy or it was going to happen immediately. And what he was really saying, it wasn't immediacy, whether that's even a word or not, but I know what I'm talking about. It's immediate. What he really was talking about was intimacy. It's not something that's going to, it's not going to be imminent that's going to happen right now. It's, he, he's really talking about behold the Lamb of God. Look at him. The word behold means to look upon it. Look at him. Be intimate with him. Know who he is and what he can do. And when you behold the Lamb of God, then you begin to, then the blessings will start flowing. And now the blessing will become favor. And you begin to see that. And then, and, and with that favor attached to it is grace. What is grace? The unmerited, the unmerited favor of God or the unmerited blessings of God. It's the unmerited, unmerited means you can't work for it. There's nothing you did. It's undeserved favor of God that comes upon you for it. And this is the kind of house that God says he wants to build. This is what God wants to do in this house. He wants to build a house that is passionate. He wants to build a Christian that is passionate. And out of that passion comes intimacy. And through that intimacy comes blessings. And through that blessing comes favor. And then you begin to see that which you could not overcome. You now begin to overcome. Because that's what favor does. It calls you to be overcome. And you realize you got that favor not after the situation is over over but during going through that situation you're going through oh hell but you're going through the, the, you're going through you're at public going through the peas and carrots and, and, and instead of cussing something out for getting your way you just you just begin to thank God and bless God you realize during your situation that God is blessing you and his favor is upon you 
Realize he's on your children and, and his favor is on you and he's, and he's blessing you because that's the favor of God that is on your life. And that's, what it, and that's what it does. It is adversity that defines the level of anointing in your life. Let me say it again. It's adversity that defines the level of anointing in your life. What is anointing? It's the ability of God in your life. Let's give you a quick little definition of, of anointing. Ooh, that's a word. Man, we're in the book of, a, we're in the book of Amos, and we're saying words like anointing. Ooh, it's like Mufasa. Ooh. Remember that? Lion King, man. Anyway, the anointing mm, is adversity. That defines, I didn't say that gave you, watch my words. It's not the adversity that gives you the anointing in your life, but it defines how much anointing you have in your life. It didn't take anointing to get to church this morning to pour in that rain. You came because you're saved and you love God and you feel like being around, being around your family this morning. It takes anointing, though, when, when the enemy tells you to, to stay home and, 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 and you know you got stuff coming against you, but, but, but you're praying through and you're working through it and, and you're using that blessing, you're using that favor, and it gets you there. And you begin to realize that God has anointed you for a purpose, and that anointing is the ability of God in your life. How many know that you have God's ability in your life? Do you hear what I just said? God's ability. Elohim, the creator of all the earth, rests on the inside of you. You have an anointing. It's on the inside of you. What is the anointing? Not just some fancy religious word. It is God's ability. It's actually, it's this way. It's God's enablement in your life. An enablement. I don't know about you, but if you ever deal with family that deals with abuse or subject abuse, substance abuse or anything like that, and you'll find somebody in their family that enables them. And a lot of times you got to go up the ladder a little bit and find who it is that is enabling that person because an enabler gives them the right to act. You're giving them. It's, it's the, I actually wrote down what Webster said. It's the action of giving someone the authority to do something. If I'm enabling you, then I am, it is an action that I'm giving someone the authority to do something. That's what the anointing is. The anointing is an action of giving someone the authority to do something. And you don't know how much enablement, you don't know how much action of authority you have to do something until you're in a fight and the enemy's standing between you and your destiny and something wells up on it out from the inside of you and you rebuke it and to rebuke it means stop it and that's enough and you realize that that power didn't come from you doing something, that power came from you being somebody and it is God's power at work on the inside of your life and you didn't know you had it until you got into a struggle or until you got into a fight. And nobody wants a struggle at church. Nobody wants a fight as a Christian. But you got to understand something. God picked David because David knew how to fight. And God has picked you because you're a fighter. And there's something on the inside of you that says, no, I will not give up. I will not give in. And I will not let go because greater is he that is in me than he that is coming after me. And you begin to realize that you need 
didn't know you were anointed until you got into a good fight. Hmm. It's this anointing. And you begin to realize, my goodness, I have the enablement of God in your life. When God gets ready to show the world who you are, he will allow giants to show up in your life. Nobody had any idea who this little shepherd was, boy was until that giant showed up in his life. But that giant stood between him and his destiny. Let me tell you something. Circumstances comes up in your life. And they're not there and you're not there to take that circumstance out. That circumstance is always there to promote you. And if you run away from that situation, then you're running away from your destiny. But if you run towards it like David did with that rag and that rock, says, oh, no, man, you're standing between. You will not allow that generational curse to stand between you and your daughter. You will not allow that, 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 that abuse to stand between you and your family. You will not allow that thought pattern to stand between you and the victory of God. And you will not retreat, but you will run towards it. And if you run towards it, it will define your destiny of who you are and you do it not because of what you can do because who you're being God says I want to build a church I want to build you I want to build a church to which that the gates of hell will not, will not prevail against I was I was in prayer this week praying going through some stuff God had placed upon place upon me and, and my inadequacies where where I realized I was in a battle I realized I was in a fight and I was I was and, and what I wanted to see happen wasn't happening and I realized not on a good sermon Sunday morning when the worship team's going that doesn't define what kind of anointing I have what defines the kind of level of anointing in my life is when I'm in a fight whether or not I can overcome that thing or not through his power which is at work on the inside of me are you listening to me and I come across and one thing that gets me is people that need to be healed and don't get healed let me just go ahead and go with a go to a a, a thorn in my side what makes me limp spiritually and I began to pray, and, I, and God began to bring me to John chapter number 5. Get ready to get offended. And when I went to John chapter number 5, I remembered the man at the, at the pool of Bethesda. And the man at the pool of Bethesda laying there at the pool. And Jesus comes up to this man who's paralyzed. And he looks at him, he asks him a question that would blow our mind. And he says what? Do you want to be made well? And the man says, I don't have anybody to help me get in that pool over there that I know if I get in that pool, I will be made well. I'm not preaching this. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just telling you what I, what, some, some, how God deals with me. And Jesus said, that's not what I said. I didn't say, did you have anybody to put you in a body of water over there? I said, do you want to be made well? I want you to understand something. As revelation began to flood my soul, somebody took that boy to that spot every single day and laid him there. 
And then they came at the end of the day and picked him up and took him home. And he couldn't get to his healing because people kept getting in the way. And God says that's the problem with church folks now. And that's what's that's the problem with my houses. That we, t- that we take people to church and we leave church. And the people can't get what they need because we keep getting in their way. Because we come to church not for other people. We come for ourselves because we're really only trying to make it in the sweet by and by. And God says when I rebuild my church, which he's doing right now, I want it to be a church of passion. I want to be a church of intimacy. And then blessings are going to start flowing. And favor is going to start flowing. And instead of having me, 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 it's going to about be, 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 be. And we start doing that, we're going to start seeing the juices of God begin to flow. And we're going to be scared. Instead of getting people's way who needs healing, who needs deliverance, who need getting set free, we're going to see them getting set free. Because Jesus didn't say, do you have anybody to help you? He's just saying, do you want to be made whole? That's all he's asking us and he's rebuilding it this is Amos it comes back up again in, in Acts we'll read it next week 1 John chapter 2 verse 20 oh hallelujah well, first of all it's okay to get defended the Bible says it's not if you get defended it says when you get defended I was offended I said God I don't want to be anybody's way Bible says in 1 John 2 and 20 because I just told you that the anointing is the ability of God in your life can we just stop for a minute church family and just get a hold that God has placed his ability in our lives you ever look at somebody and say I wish I had the ability to do that I wish I had the ability to, to work on something and make it and fix it like that I wish I could build a house like that. Right? I wish I could make a dress like that. God, He can do everything. Has given you an unmeasurable amount of abilities on the inside of you. And so this scripture here, but you have an anointing. We just talked about anointing, right? What's the anointing? The, the enablement of God on your life. He said, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. And you know all things. Well, hallelujah. Ain't that what it says? But you have an anointing from the Holy One. Who's the Holy One? God Himself. And you know all things. The anointing is the Spirit of God inside of you. It's the name of God inside of you. You are a Christian this morning. A Christian is someone who the Holy Spirit dwells. So you should know all things. How many knows? How many knows all things this morning? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. How many know? How many people knows all things this morning? Then why is it in the Bible? The also translation is if you, from over from, from, from Greek to Latin, Latin to English is that you have an anointing from the Holy One, and actually the understanding of it, and you have the ability to know all things. You go into a situation, God, I don't know how this is going to happen. But guess what? Because you're intimate. And blessings follows intimacy. And blessings God's inter- God's intervention in your life to cause your word to succeed. Which brings favor. Which, which, which gives you victory over your adversaries. 
And when you don't know what to do, then, then all of a sudden, the anointing God begins to flush to your life. And, and things you couldn't, you couldn't know, you begin to know. And things you couldn't do, you begin to do. Because the anointing God is in your life. How would you get it? Because your intimacy with God. Your passion with God. Amen? Well, you mean we... We don't, we don't have to do backflips and fall out on the floor. and well, All that's good and fun and feels good. I've seen service people just fall out in the spirit and get up. The problem is that the thing that knocks them in the floor, they leave it there when they get up and walk out the same person they were. God says he wants to do something in us that, that whenever we walk around, that, that we walk around with that ability to know all things. Let me end on this. The Bible says that, taught us that David constantly had a resume. He went, was constantly going up, up, and up. So what do you mean? Well, he understood by all his battles that it always defined what kind of anointing was on his life. We understand what kind of blessings upon his life. And I want you to look back in your life and see what kind of blessings in your life. The fact you're here this morning means that you're, that the devil, the devil's got a lot more respect for you than you got even of yourself. David started out scooping poop out there in his, in his, in his daddy's sheepfold. And then we found him because of defeating the Goliath. We found him, he was now captaining over Saul's army. That's a pretty big deal. And then we found him that he's now... After Saul fell, he's now, he is now, he's now been promoted to king over Judah. That's pretty good, right? Then he went from being king over Judah to being king over all of Israel. Promotion after promotion after promotion after promotion. What's he trying to teach us? He's trying to teach us. Don't ever take an assignment. Don't ever take an assignment that will make you sit back and act important. We all like assignments. We want God to put us somewhere so people can see us for who we are. What is that? No, don't ever accept the assignment that allows you to sit back and important. Every assignment that David took promoted him to a place that stretched him just a little bit more. Why? Because every battle he went through, God had promotion ready for him to go to the next level. So the fact you're going through some stuff, the fact you're going through some circumstances, the fact you're going through some battles is because God is not going to allow you to sit back and this act important. God has some, God has more territory for you to take for him and be something that you never thought you could ever be. Amen. Everybody stand to your feet. We're going to transition here. We throw this in because it's been on my spirit the whole week last week. I didn't finish this. Last week and, 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 uh, Exodus chapter 18. Remember Moses? He had his two sons. He had Gershom and Eliezer. Gershom meant I was a, that he was a stranger when he was in the house of Pharaoh. I want to remind somebody this year that, that right now, today, no matter what kind of trouble, what kind of circumstance you're going through, don't own it. Say, I'm a stranger in this thing. I'm not staying here. Come on, church. You're battling depression, you're battling anger, you're battling, battling worry, you're, you're, you're fighting teenagers, you're, you're, your marriage is hanging on by a thread, your finances is upside down. I'm here to tell you, you need to understand, yeah, but I got some Gershoms on the inside of me. I'm just a stranger here. I'm not staying like this. 
Then he had an Eliezer, and Eliezer means that, that definitely I told you these names of these children mean something. And it means it was God who gave me the victory over that. You always got to credit God anytime you get a victory in your life. And in that story, you come and read it in, in Exodus 18. It's all about Jethro coming and bringing his boys back to him, reminding him who exactly who Gershom and Eliezer was to him. And here's what I like. Here's what's important. Here's the reason why you're here today, because this is important. And the Bible says that whenever that whenever Moses began to tell Jethro, his father-in-law, all the things that God done for him, because that's what your testimony is, is reminding yourself and God and the enemy what God has done for you to get you to this point. The Bible says that Jethro, that Jethro can to notice and Jethro rejoice for all the good which the Lord had done for him. What's the point? I love that. One of my favorite friends in the Bible. And Jethro rejoiced. Don't hang out with people that can't rejoice for you whenever you have something to shout about. I don't know who that's from. It's been sitting on me all week long. Yeah, but it's because that victory that you just went through might not have been nothing compared to them. But let me tell you something. It was the biggest victory in your life. It might have just been a lion. might have just been a bear. But let me tell you something. It was your wrestle. It was your fight. It was your, it was everything in you. And make sure you surround yourself with something. It won't be everybody. But you're going to find somebody that's going to be choice for you over all the things that God has done for you. Come on. I want you to tell you that's what highest praise is. We're here to rejoice with you. We're here to shout and hang you on your way. Say you can make it. You can do it. Because greater is he is in you than he is in the world. Amen. If you believe it, give God a hand clap of praise. Amen. Let's just sing something. We hope you enjoyed this message from our weekend experience. If you want to partner with us as we see lives changed and God's kingdom advanced, you can donate through our website, highestpraisechurch.com. And if you would like to stay up to date with all that God is doing here, be sure to follow us on Instagram at highest.praisechurch and like us on Facebook at Highest Praise Church. We can't wait to see you soon.